Freedom HealthWorks is the direct primary care accelerator. We help doctors across the country start fresh in direct primary care. With Freedom HealthWorks, you work with a team, not a checklist. Visit FreedomHealthWorks.com and together we can achieve true freedom in direct care. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Healthcare Americana. I am your host, Christopher Habig, CEO and co-founder of Freedom HealthWorks, a theme that we find ourselves repeating time and time again as we get fired up and, and get into these discussions with all of our great guests is the fact that we all seem to lose this ability for us to spend money wisely. The American consumer is an economic force by every definition of that term. And we pride ourselves on being able to go out, compare products, compare services, see what other people say, whether it's restaurants, whether it's automobiles, whether it is uh, anything under the sun, even you know the largest online marketplace uh, on Amazon, we're looking at and trusting consumer reviews. However, Whenever a case arises that we have to look after our health and ask the right type of questions or really the same type of questions about doctors, hospitals, and even insurance plans, most of us are intimidated, fearful, or we just flat out forget it. And I understand that because it is a very stressful time. So joining us today on this podcast is Matthew Dale. Chief Executive Officer of Point Health. And Point Health and, and, and Matt are working to provide that knowledge, provide that transparency, and provide that ability for the American consumer to go out, find physicians, and have all the information they need about them from an economic stance and finding out that they are good quality physicians at the same time. So they're doing some really amazing stuff. Matt, welcome to the program. Welcome to Healthcare Americana. Great. Thank you very much for having me on. Give us a a quick overview of how Point Health and the projects you're working on satisfies that need for the American consumer to be educated and remain educated when it comes to healthcare decisions. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you touched on obviously one of the the core issues, and that is that it's really difficult to shop in healthcare. If I were to ask for somebody where do you go to buy household goods? They're going to say, oh, I can go to Amazon or I can go to Walmart. If I said, where are you going to go to uh, get food delivered? They could say, get on Grubhub or Uber Eats, you know, movie tickets, you're going to go to Fandango. But if you ask somebody the question, where do you go to shop for healthcare? People have a really hard time answering that question. And it's incredibly surprising when you realize that, you know, healthcare is, uh, probably the largest segment of the American economy, you know, three trillion plus a year. Um, and, and part of the reason that you can't shop for healthcare is there's three pieces of information you need in order to make an informed decision, none of which are actually that easily available. And while the cost might be, you know, out there in some way for uh, a highly sort of informed healthcare insider to understand. It's not available in a way that a consumer can readily understand it. Uh, The second piece of information you need is actually even harder to get to than the cost, and that's really understanding the outcome data. Uh, It's understanding, you know, which hospitals are better than others, which surgeons are better than others, where am I likely um, to go in and have a positive outcome. Uh, And then the third piece of information, this one you can find, um, but it's really found in isolation, and that's what's my experience going to be like. Um, that's really there. You're, you're talking about, you know, how long did the doctor spend talking to me? You know, how friendly was the receptionist? All of those types of things. 
Um, but until someone's able to pull together all three of those data points and present them in a way where it's easy to search for a procedure and then see which facilities can offer it at what cost, with what level of quality and what your user experience is going to be, you're not going to see anyone really capture sort of a large percentage of the market share when it comes to, to helping healthcare consumers figure out where to shop for healthcare. Those are three excellent points. And I want to dive into each one separately. So when you do ask the question of how do you shop for healthcare? How do you, how do you find out what the price is? Uh, you know, in our experience at, at Freedom and then in personal experience, it's, well, it's whatever that little card in my wallet pays for. Or if there's no little insurance card in my wallet, well, I don't know what it's going to cost because I don't even want to think about going to see the doctor because I'm terrified. I'm going to go bankrupt. You name it. What is your response to people in those scenarios when they say, I don't even think to ask those questions about pricing? Yeah. So, I mean, I think, well, it's certainly true to what you said. The fact that, you know, you have an insurance card doesn't actually tell you what you're going to pay. I mean, for us, we've dealt with people's medical claims for 25 years now. And I can tell you, people are always shocked by what they actually end up paying for care, uh, no matter what type of plan they're on. There's always uh, some sort of surprise billing that happens, or they went out on network. And so even having insurance, it doesn't actually provide the safety net that, that people think. When it comes to, to trying to you know, find out the price, it's not as easy as asking because you're not making apples to apples comparisons. And so I can give a couple of examples of this. Um, but it, it really kind of, it boils down to like what I would call like data integrity. And so inside of the world of healthcare data, you have 2% of providers that are actually part of the transparency movement and of providing clear, easy to understand information. And so, you know, these are the, the places everyone in the, you know, follows price transparency is familiar with, right? It's Surgery Center of Oklahoma, and it's Texas Free Market Surgery. There's places out there that are putting bundled prices, say, hey, if you come in and have this procedure done, this is what it's going to cost sort of all in. But you move away from that one or two percent of prices. I describe that section of it as like it's like swimming in crystal clear water. But you get outside of that two percent, the water gets really murky really fast. I'll give you know a, a real example here of a case. We had a, a guy that, that came through our system that needed a rotated cuff repair. If he had gone to his local hospital, he would have been charged sixty-five thousand dollars for it, and his insurance would have paid three thousand. The insurance plan he was on told him to go to his local hospital. And we were able to figure out, no, actually, you want to go to a surgery center that's 30 minutes away. You can get the whole thing down to $7,000. you are only going to pay $4,000 out of pocket. Um, but even if you go in and you don't have insurance, you're not making an apples-to-apples apples comparison because hospitals, for the most part, aren't bundling their prices. So, you know, if you see the cost of a colonoscopy at Texas Free Market Surgery being $2,500, and then you see the cost of a colonoscopy being 2300 at Seton, which is the local hospital here in Austin. Um, you're actually making a mistake if you go to Seton because Seton is only quoting you the facility fee and the surgeon or the uh, gastroenterologist and the anesthesiologist both going to bill separately. Whereas if you go to Texas Free Market Surgery, it's that all in one price. So it's just impossible to make that apples to apples comparison for the average consumer. And that's, it's a real challenge. 
do you find that people that are asking, you know, you, you mentioned the average consumer, and to me, those are people who have never used the healthcare industry, have never needed to, they're healthy, they have never had a baby, something like that. Are you seeing that those are the people who time and time again get absolutely burnt? They learn a lot. So then the second time around, they know, they have a better idea of what questions to ask, or they're more apt to ask those questions, or do they just still sit there and say, I don't even want to mess with this, even though I got smoked last time, I'm going to go back into this and just jump in the deep end without a life preserver on. I think we see a little bit of both. You know, I think some people go in have an experience with, you know, having a surgery done inside of a hospital and they, they learn, Hey, I've got to ask what else is, you know, where else is going to send me a bill? You know, what are the other providers that are going to be involved in, in this episode of care? Um, but I think, you know, there's a lot of people that even though they know it's happened to them once, it's still so confusing, especially if they actually have insurance because just trying to sort through, you know, the explanation of benefits they might get from their insurance company and not necessarily understanding why, even though the hospital was in network, the physician wasn't. I think for a lot of people, they've just resigned themselves to the fact that, you know, for lack of a better word, healthcare can suck. You know, certainly the financial side of it, right? It's not going to be fun to deal with it. And it's probably going to be a real hassle. Yeah, I mean, there's no way to skirt that. I mean, healthcare, a lot of healthcare experiences do suck. And I think that opens the door for individuals like yourself and, and you know, what a lot of people are doing out there to enhance that. You know, the second point you mentioned were quality metrics. And, and I want to make sure that, you know, I don't just gloss past that, but it's the third point that you mentioned from a patient experience, a consumer experience that, you know, that really perked up my ears because- Recently, I stepped into a primary care physician's office to get a flight physical because I decided to learn how to fly at the tender age of 34, something I wanted to do for my entire life. And I walk in, I step off the elevator and immediately I was overcome by this feeling of gross. Ew, like what are, why are people going here? Who wants to go to work in this office? Why, do, why does a doctor even thinking about returning to this office day in, day out? In that patient experience hit hit home big time because we're used to setting up direct primary care offices that you know you have the physician having personality in there and they're fun, they're bright, people are happy. And so when you mentioned that third point, that really drove that home just based on my personal experiences this past, you know, the past week or so. And I don't want to discount that. And I think a lot of people, and, and you know, tell me your thoughts on this, but a lot of people discount. What am I going to feel and see and experience when I walk into a doctor's office? And then how do you guys codify that to show that, hey, the patient experience is going to be elevated by using our system and finding physicians that actually really care about their environmental aspect, care about their patients and want them to have a good, comforting experience? Yeah, well, absolutely right. I think as a patient, you want the facility that you go to, the doctor you see, you want to have a as an enjoyable interaction with the medical system as you can. And a big part of that is that the staff are, they take time with you, that they're, they're considerate, that uh, the doctor takes plenty of time to, you know, answer all your questions and address any questions your, your family might have, obviously, depending on, you know, the nature of what type of care that you're getting. And, you know, the, the way to make that information available 
is really just to close the loop. And what I mean when I say close the loop is that everyone that goes in and has something done, they then give an opportunity to give feedback to a company like Point Health that's non-biased, but they're not receiving a friendly email from the doctor's office saying, hey, thanks so much for coming in. We'd love it if you could take a minute and leave us a review on Google. But they're actually answering some questions for a third party where they can rate different aspects of their experience. And uh, taking an approach like that, you get a lot more accurate information than you do when a doctor has uh, sort of solicited feedback. And then the other thing that medical facilities do as well is they tend to only solicit feedback if they think they're going to get a positive review. Uh, they're not necessarily reaching out to patients where they, they know things maybe didn't go that well, uh, asking them to leave reviews on sites like HealthGrade and, and Google. So uh, there's certainly some, I don't want to say it's not manipulation of the data. It's not this reviews that are, that are currently available don't necessarily paint a complete picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's an important distinction to make. So I'm glad you did do that. In order for everybody, somebody to get the whole picture, there's going to be some good and bad. And so, you know, if somebody's out there and it's like, well, this facility only has five-star reviews and, you know, you might want to be digging a little bit deeper, but, you know, Matt, give us a, a good overview because I want to start diving into what Point Health is doing from more of that marketplace standpoint letting consumers find those good worthwhile providers and, and bringing the transparency to the whole thing. Cause obviously from a freedom standpoint, we're big fans. Personally, I'm a big fan of anything that's tr- price transparency in this industry. So give us that overview uh, of what you guys are doing and, and how it's going. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think to, to understand where we're going now, you have to understand where we came from. So through a company that Point Health acquired, the Keras Group, we've got 25 years of experience helping patients uh, figure out which facility that they should go to. And so we've always done that in a very manual way. You know, someone would call into our call center, we would assign them a patient advocate to work their case, we'd reach out to local facilities in their area, uh, find out what the price was going to be, try to figure out you know, everything they could to help the patient. And then we would sort of send the patient a report and say, hey, here's, here's the facilities in your area that can do what you need to have done. And here's what it's going to cost you at each one. And what we wanted to do with Point Health was we wanted to take a much more tech forward approach to doing that because it's really hard to scale some of those manual processes. And so it's really a big data play. You know, we've been obviously got a ton of internal data around pricing. We've also got a ton of claims data, you know, what our clients have paid. And then there's also a lot of data that's sort of available out there, whether it's, you know, from CMS or, you know, increasingly facilities are are sharing their data. And and certainly there's, there's been some legislation that I think Biden is rolling back at the moment. There's hospitals to put out quite a bit of data. And so we're taking all of the data that we can and we're trying to organize it in such a way that we are able to mirror the shopping experience that consumers are used to when they go online to shop for other things. And so we want people to be able to search for a procedure and in real time get a list of facilities that are close to them that can perform that procedure and then see what the cost is going to be. One caveat that I'll sort of give, though, is that anyone that says they're able to provide 
100% accurate pricing 100% of the time and inside of healthcare is, is not telling the truth. I go back to this issue of data integrity. And so what we're able to tell patients is at some facilities with a high degree of confidence, we think you're going to pay you know, $8,990. At another facility, we might say, we can't tell you exactly what you're going to pay, but based on historical data that we have, here's the average price to this facility for this procedure. And then if we move a sort of a, a step further away from, from the perfect thing, which is telling them the exact price, we might not even be confident enough in our own data to give them a number, but we might say with a fairly high degree of confidence, this is the facility that's going to charge you the least. And then here's sort of a stack ranking from least expensive to most expensive. So that's what we're trying to build. And it's been a two year effort for us to modernize something we've been doing manually for 25 years. Now, I just want to make you know, some po- a couple points of clarification there. What type of facilities do you usually work with? Because, you know, your comment on if somebody tells you they can mail their pricing 100% of the time, there might be some DPC doctors out there and people doing uh, specialty care who say, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, I'm, I'm charging this guy whatever's on my uh, uh, website, whatever's on my menu board. Are you working with facilities that are more in the insurance game? And, and I just wanted to clarify that point. Sure. So, so we're working sort of, I would call, call it across the continuum from if a facility wants to reach out to us and give us their pricing information to the penny, we'll absolutely take it all the way to the facilities that are, you know, fighting any effort to put their prices out there. <laughs> yeah. with, with facilities like that, we are going to make as educated a guess as we can. And it's, you know, at this point, it's not not humans making a guess, it's algorithms. You know, here's what the data that we have been able to find tells us about your facility. Uh, but then we're, we're obviously having to package that in a way that we disclose to patients. Here we're confident because, you know, our facility has told us this is exactly what they're going to charge you. Here we're not confident. Here we've done, done some data mining um, to put forward a guess. And then, of course, in the third case, it's like, we're not confident enough in our guests to actually give them a number. We'll just tell them where we think it is. Sort of, this is a high price provider. This is a low price provider. Oh gosh, I, I bet that is an interesting conversation when that happens. When someone just throws their hands up and says, "I can't even start to quote you without." <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, it goes it goes back to this issue of bundled pricing. You know, if every facility offered bundled pricing, our, our lives would be a lot easier. And while we have the exact cost at, I would say, most places for any given CPT code, uh, I don't want to get you know, too, too into the weeds of, uh, of healthcare billing. What we're not confident in is what other stuff has been bundled with it and whether or not a certain on the hospital end, whether or not they're including things like anesthesia or are they going to bill separately. And so, but, but we get better at it every day. And of course, the more patients we help, the more accurate our data becomes. Mm-hmm. And I think, so we've got, you know, that working in our favor. And then we've also got working in our favor, the fact that more and more facilities are willing to share their prices. And I think the fact that the price transparency movement, it's, it's really impossible to stop, right? Because 
if a person is able to see the cost, they're more likely to go to that facility. And ultimately, the facilities that aren't showing their costs are going to have to start doing it because they're losing too much business. And I mean, we can go in if you think it would be interesting into to some of the underlying economics of why I believe that's that'll happen. But I'm not sure if you want me to go down that rabbit trail. Well, I was I was about to ask you, you know, because because one thing that seems to come to mind every time when I'm hearing you, you know, make these points. What type of surprises and and have you encountered in these conversations? I mean, have there been anybody who's been downright hostile to what you're trying to do uh, when you call them up and say? Hey, I'm building this database. I'm building this marketplace. It's a data-centered approach to it. We want to show a lot of transparency. Do you guys want to participate? And if yes, what are your prices for all these lists of items? Has anybody just been like, oh, screw you. It's not going to work? They haven't been what I would call hostile, but they have been pretty direct. And you know, one of the, the things that really was a, a highly enlightening conversation for me is I was sitting in the office of... Uh, one of the one in the C-suite, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. I don't want to say any names for uh, a company called Ascension, and Ascension has, you know, it's a fairly large hospital chain in, in this part of the country. And basically, what they said is, they said, Matt, you've got to stop coming to us asking us to give better prices, more accurate pricing information uh, around self-pay pay patients. Uh, they said the, the reason for that is, they said, look, most of our facilities, the level one trauma facilities. We've got all of these other costs uh, that other facilities don't have to incur. We've got to keep a you know a helicopter on the helipad with pilots ready to go. We've got all of these things that the ambulatory surgical centers uh, don't have to do. We don't want to put our pricing information out there because it makes us look like we're more expensive than we are. We're not the place that you come to to save money. But I think, you know, that conversation, it was really telling for me because that attitude, I think, is pretty pervasive among the hospitals. Is they're not necessarily, at this point, they haven't looked to compete on price because they haven't had to. But as the ambulatory surgical centers, as more and more ASCs put pricing information out there and they start to siphon the business away from hospitals, the hospitals are going to have to put pricing information out there and attempt to compete. So you've got that happening. At the same time that that, that is happening, you've also got the C-suite in corporate America that's responsible for paying health insurance premiums really starting to pay attention to the cost. You know, for most businesses, employee benefits are either the second or third largest item on their P&L. And, you know, just like there's no way a, a CFO would allow an employee to constantly uh, stay at a hotel that was $10,000 a night when they were away on a business trip. They're becoming more engaged in the healthcare process and they're looking to work with plans that actively push people to better value providers rather than making the recommendation of, hey, go to the big hospital that you're closest to. Right. Yeah, that's fascinating, that conversation you had in the Ascension C-suite offices, because that is a recurring theme that I hear a lot, is that detractors of, of what we're trying to do from a transparent, you know, low uh, low price or actually a fair-priced uh, medical care, is they say, well, what about emergencies? You can't plan for emergencies. There's no way that you can put emergencies up on a website or anything like that. But that is like the last nugget, the last frontier that they always cling to. And, you know, you had a great example there with the helicopter. And yes, emergencies do happen. 
But that's where insurance is actually valuable for people. Now the pandemic has exposed that a lot of hospitals, I think I saw anywhere from like 30 to 60% of their revenue comes from elective surgeries. That is not emergent care. And like you said, as ambulatory facilities siphon that off, what are those emergency centers going to be left with? Well, I mean, I think, yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. I think, you know, another thing to, to highlight is just want to reiterate what you just said, which is that it's a false argument. And there's two that they typically put forward. It's the emergency argument and it's the one about complications. And, mm-hmm. you know, the analogy that I like to use is, you know, if I, you know, open Uber or Lyft on my, on my phone and I say, I want to take a, uh, a trip from my house to the office, it's going to tell me, we think it's going to be $12. And of course, if we hit an accident on the way or we have to reroute because of construction, they'll adjust it up appropriately. And if we get every green light on the way, they'll adjust it down appropriately. But most of the time, it's actually really, really close to what they said it would be. And it's actually the same thing with medical care when it comes to non-emergency procedures. It's just this, this, uh, this notion that there's complications way too complicated and impossible to put prices out there. It's just not true. They only actually happen about 15% of the time. Mm-hmm. So 85% of the time, they could put out a really accurate price that they wanted. And I think everybody would understand complications happen. You know, this is the price if things go according to plan. If, you know, if we open up your knee to replace this one tendon and it turns out that there's something else going on that we fix at the same time, People will be reasonable and then anticipate, yes, if that happens, go ahead and do it. It's going to cost me a little more. Um, but so many of the arguments that the hospitals put out there, when you really start to dig in, the reality is they don't want to display their prices because they want to continue to be able to charge outrageous amounts. You know, <laughs> it doesn't matter what your argument is. $68,000 is too much to pay for a rotated cost repair. You know, $70,000 is too much to charge to repair, uh, you know, a disc in somebody's back. Hospital prices are outrageous. And some hospitals are worse than others. You know, one of the things I did a couple of years ago was uh, we we ran some reports to take a look at uh, a lot of the data that was coming into CMS and take a look at the average percentage of Medicare um, that facilities were, were billing. And we found multiple facilities. I think it was, you know, 10% of facilities on the hospital side were charging above 800% of the Medicare price. And so when you consider that the Medicare price directionally is about a hospital's break even, you know, there's no other industry where you can say our cost to provide this is $1,000, but we're going to charge 8000 because competition would come in and drive that price down. But right. because the pricing is so hard to get to in the healthcare world, it's actually been happening for, you know, 50, 60, 70 years. Right, right. The only winner of Monopoly is a monopolist. Everybody else gets to lose, right? That's correct. So in your argument, it's like, you know, if I'm a, if I'm a hospital or if I'm able to charge $7,000 margin, I'm going to say, hey, great, this is awesome. But like you said, with that data being out and about, people are going to look at that and say, oh, wow, that's pretty lucrative. I'm going to jump in there and start lowering costs. You know, competition's good. <laughs> Not necessarily the greed aspect of it, but the competition is good. It can be healthy for markets all over the place. So, Matt, I, I want to ask you here, focusing again on Point Health, where are you guys seeing your greatest amount of growth? I mean, is it 
bringing on facilities who want to participate or on the flip side, is it consumers and, and groups looking for a one-stop shop in order to have all the data in front of them to make an educated decision? Yeah. So, you know, I would say right now, you know, we're still in the building our product stage. And so we haven't actually gone to market yet with our tech forward solution. I think we're going to have our MVP out in the next, you know, call it 60 to 90 days. So we've really focused on gathering the data. And most of it has been a big data play. It's been looking at multiple data sources, whether it's claims data that we've been able to acquire from clearinghouses, whether it's CMS data, uh, data that's just available out there in the public domain. We've spent a, a ton of time really trying to figure out what, what information is out there, what does it actually mean, how do you slice it up and present it in a way that an average consumer is able to use it. And so we've been focused on internal stuff. And at this point, we're now getting ready to go to market. And from you know initial conversations we've had with potential clients, um, there's a certainly uh, an appetite for a tool like this, whether you're talking about uh, for insurance companies, healthcare sharing organizations, discount medical plans, you know, all the way along their you know, supply chain of healthcare. People are eager for a tool like this that allows their members to make informed decisions about where they go. Right. I'm going to give you the last question here, the, the, final, uh, the final say uh, to wrap our discussion up here. In your opinion, what needs to happen in order for us to build what I'm going to describe as, you know, air quotes, the perfect healthcare industry? Knowing, you know, what we know and, and based on all your experiences before, what needs to happen? Yeah, so it's a really great question. And, you know, I tend to, to actually believe that there are there's good things being proposed on both sides of the aisle. Um, you cannot have a good healthcare system that doesn't have a safety net for the neediest people. You need to have, you know, some segment of the population whose healthcare expenses are covered collectively by society. But you can't take that to an extreme and say, hey, let's move to a one-payer system because then, you know, you lose out on all of the innovation and all of the things that happen in free markets. You know, I don't want the government to run our healthcare any more than I want the government to be in charge of Gmail. But I want the same economic factors that allowed for the creation of Gmail to happen inside of the healthcare world. So that, you know, look at all of the innovation that's come out of technology compared to something like the U.S. Postal Service. In a perfect world, you have a completely free market healthcare system where you have price integrity, where you have the same price charged no matter who is paying for it. doesn't matter whether the government's paying for it. doesn't matter whether insurance is paying for it doesn't matter as a consumer whether you're paying for it out of your own pocket. Ultimately, that is the fairest system. Now, if some segment of the population has their health care covered through tax dollars in a program like Medicaid, I think that's a, that's a necessary part of the system, but they should be paying the same thing as everybody else. Because the minute you start charging different things, to different people, you end up with the convoluted maze of healthcare that we have now where no one can understand it and 
you know, there's all of these sort of, you know, under the table deals cut between insurance companies and hospital systems. And it just, it leads to a really, gosh, it's, it's a fundamentally immoral system when a self-pay patient can pay 800%, eight times what the government will pay for the same thing. And so I think you have to take the best of the free market, but you need the safety net for the most vulnerable parts of the population. Matthew Dale, Chief Executive Officer of Point Health. Thanks for joining us here on Healthcare Americana. Hey, thanks so much. I really appreciate you having me on. That's going to be it for this episode. Once again, I am your host, Christopher Havig. For more information on direct care and free market medicine, visit freedomhealthworks.com. Thanks for listening. Check out healthcareamericana.com to hear all our episodes, visit the shop, and learn more about the podcast. Healthcare Americana is produced by Taylor Scott and iPodcast Pro and managed by Melissa Turpin. Whether you're a patient, employer, or physician, the Free Market Medical Association can facilitate and assist you in your free market healthcare journey. The foundation of our association is built upon three pillars, price, value, and equality, with complete transparency in everything we do. Our goal is simple, match willing buyers with willing sellers of valuable healthcare services. Join us and help accelerate the growth of the free market healthcare revolution. For more information on the Free Market Medical Association, visit fmma.org. As a podcast listener, you know how frustrating it is when the audio is muffled or unclear. How can you have a good listening experience when you can't hear? Healthcare has been the same way. Information isn't clear, and it's hard to understand. That's why at Point Health, we're making healthcare easy to find, easy to understand, and easier to afford. And to help with your podcast experience, we're giving you a chance to win a free pair of Apple AirPods. Just visit pointhealth.com slash healthcareamericana to learn more and enter to win. At Green Imaging, we provide diagnostic imaging procedures that include MRIs, CT scans, and x-rays for half of the average price in a health plan. Most people don't realize that the most expensive place to get an MRI is right down the hall from the prescribing doctor. This is because 70% of doctors are now employed or subsidized by our hospital systems. When we get an imaging exam at a hospital-owned imaging facility, the cost of care is three to seven times more expensive than it is at an independent imaging facility. There is a better choice that can save you up to 65% or more. That choice is green imaging. In most hospitals, there are 16 administrators for every single doctor. This creates an unnecessary burden on the price tag. By removing this excess, Green Imaging provides diagnostic services typically at one-third of the price or less. Check us out at greenimaging.net. The new administration has big plans for your health insurance, changes that can limit your choices. The Affordable Care Act created a one-size-fits-all plan. Healthcare is not a one-size-fits-all problem. The premise of the ACA is that coverage equals care. It does not. This is Eric Wilson from ISA Health Incorporated, and I recently saved a family in their 50s almost $600 per month with our free market plan. Act now. Protect yourself with a plan that cannot be canceled. This is a nationwide PPO plan, which allows you to pick your doctors and hospitals. Start saving 30 to 60% today. If you are self-employed, purchase your own health insurance, or are uninsured, you can lock in a private plan managed by you, not the government. 
Call me, Eric Wilson, an expert with 17 years experience at 888-448-5370. That's 888-448-5370. Or go to iSellHealth.com. That's iSellHealth.com. A free market, affordable approach to healthcare. I look forward to speaking with you. Interested in saving money on medical expenses? Coral is a healthcare marketplace and referral platform that helps direct primary care physicians, specialists, and medical plans find each other and work together at an affordable and transparent price. Save time and save money by utilizing the transparent direct contract model from Coral. To learn more, please visit coral.io. Hi again, everyone. This is Chris. At Healthcare Americana, we're always on the lookout for great stories to tell in the healthcare industry. And we'd like to hear yours. Check out healthcareamericana.com and send us your ideas for episodes or if you'd like to be a guest. Thanks again for listening. Hope you enjoy it.